heard about this older man who was in the hospital, and uh, he was very hard to wake up. And you know, they have to wake you up a lot in the hospital. And the nurses all dreaded when they had to go and wake this gentleman up. And, and so this one nurse said, I'll do it. And it was time for his medication. She went in, and she was shaking him, hitting on him, calling out his name, doing everything. And he just groaned and, and grumbled and rolled and everything. And finally, she got him awake, and he looked up, and he said, My goodness, you're beautiful. Did I ask you to marry me? She said, No. He said, good, I couldn't go through this every day. So, uh, you know, some people are hard to wake up. And maybe uh, we want to be a church that's awake. We want to be a church that's not sleeping and not grumpy and not complaining. We want to be a church that's awake. And so we we, uh, are, to do that, you need devoted disciples in your church. And that's what Central Christian Church wants to be about, is being a church that raises up devoted disciples that are serving the Lord and and following the Lord. And so we, several years ago, came up with a plan, which we have not done a good job of advertising and getting out to you, and it's called our Next Steps process. And this is a process to help people become more devoted disciples. And it starts, it's primarily designed for the new people in the church. And as they come in, then they can go through three steps or four steps that will help them become more devoted disciples. Now, you don't have to go through our steps to be a devoted disciple, but we are here and we have these steps and they will help you become a devoted disciple. And normally we have these, uh, these gatherings after... Uh, The second service, we invite new people to come in and go through our presentation and to help them uh, come to know what it takes to be a devoted disciple. So a couple of weeks ago, Matt and I were discussing this and how we could get more people to go through this. And I said, let's put the whole church through it. Let's, Let's do what we do in those meetings. Let's do it for the whole congregation. And so today and next week and the following week, everybody in our church that shows up is going to go through our next steps process. And today is the first step of that. And you have a, a little flyer in your bulletin. It looks like this. Uh, on the back it says next steps, or that may be the front. Uh, next steps at Central. And then on the other side you'll see the chart that we have up on the screen here. Uh, Some of that may be a little hard to read, but you can look at it. It's exactly as it is on this paper there. And what Next Steps is all about is you'll see there in the top uh, left-hand side, Step 1, Central Q&A. And that's what we're going to do today is our Central Q&A. Of course, Q&A stands for question and answer. We won't do a lot of question and answer, but we will do the presentation that we do Uh, when we do this for a group uh, normally on Sunday after church. Uh, From that, step two would be Central Connect. And that's a second gathering where we talk to you about what it means to be a member of the church. And and part of that 
is, is, uh, is to become a devoted disciple, and we, we present to people the life groups that we have and how you can get involved in one of our life groups, which is a small uh, discipleship group that meets in various places, some of them in homes, some of them in the church, uh, some of them meet in a, in a restaurant or whatever, and, and you, can, you can grow that way. And then step three is called Serve Central, and in step three, we teach about the ministry that this church does. There are many ministries that we have, and how you can get involved and get plugged into one of those ministries and then give back to the Lord in that way. Uh, step four, we won't do that here, but it is a leadership class that I teach called Lead Central, and that involves, it's about a three-month process. It involves coming to several meetings and reading some books and memorizing some scripture. Uh, we're going to do that in January. And so in the next couple of weeks, we'll give you some, some information about that, and you'll be able to sign up if you want to go through that lead central class, and you, will, uh, uh, you can start that in January, and we'll have a meeting to talk about that. So that's our next steps process. And today, we're going to go through the central Q&A process. I want to read to you what it says on this flyer. We desire for each person to have a home in the local church, finding places of connection with God and others. We believe everyone has been created with a purpose from God. Our hope is to be a resource in understanding your spiritual gifts and how to use them to serve His kingdom and the world through the church. And then at the bottom of that, there's a little checklist there where you can keep track of your progress and and how you're doing. Over the next three weeks, you should be able to check all this off. And so uh, we're glad you're here today to talk about this. And so that's our next steps process. Now, we're putting the whole church through this for several reasons. We want to make sure everybody that comes understands this, but also as new people come in, then you can help us encourage them to go through the next steps process so that, that they can work toward becoming a devoted disciple as well. You know, believe it or not, just getting saved is not the goal that Jesus set for his church. Really, the goal of our Christian faith is finding the right relationship with God and Jesus Christ, his son. In fact, Jesus said in John 8, 31, if you hold to my teaching... You're really my disciple. How can you hold on to something if you don't know what it is? And so that's part of our process is helping to mature Christians so they can become the devoted disciples that God wants them to be. Now I want to give you part of our, our uh, central Q&A is to give you the background of Central Christian Church. Central Christian Church has a long history. The church this year is 120 years old. And the church, uh, Central Christian Church, how do we get that name? What is the Christian Church? Well, the Christian Church slash Church of Christ started all the way back in the 1700s, late 1700s. As people began to move from Europe into America, 
there were a number of preachers that came from Europe, and simultaneously there were four men who began to think about what the church had become. Now, they were separate, but they all began to have these same ideas, and that is that the church had strayed away from the church that is seen in the book of Acts in the Bible. And that church had gotten off track. And denominationalism had taken over and churches were uh, making rules that were not biblical. For example, to be a member of one denomination, you had to sign a creed. Well, that's not in the Bible. Jesus never talked about, you've got to sign this creed if you're going to be one of my followers. In, in one church... And this one uh, preacher was visiting another town. And in his denomination, you had to have a coin that showed you were in good standing with the church before you could be served communion in another town. And as he sat waiting to take communion, he thought to himself, I can't imagine Jesus asking to see my coin. And he got up and he left. And he began... To, uh, to preach and teach to churches that you should leave your denomination and just be the church of the Bible. By this time in history, many churches had even quit doing communion every week. And churches had begun to stop doing uh, baptism by immersion. And of course, churches were coming up with all kinds of creeds and all kinds of rules that were not biblical that you had to follow to become part of their denomination. And so these four men, Barton Stone, who was a Presbyterian, Thomas Campbell, who was a Baptist, Alexander Campbell was a Baptist, and Walter Scott was a Methodist, began to study Scripture and think about this, and eventually they came together and said, let's start going to churches and calling them to leave the denomination and just be a Christian church. And follow the pattern that was set forth in the New Testament. And that's how the independent Christian churches and churches of Christ got started. Non-denominationalism. We are non-denominational. We are part of that group became known as the Restoration Movement as they sought to restore the practice of the ancient church. Now, in America, there are about 5,000 Christian churches. Some of them do go by the name... Church of Christ. Not to be confused with there are some churches that were originally part of the movement that were that are today called a cappella Christian churches, and that's because they've set a rule that they don't believe in instruments in worship because they're not mentioned in the Bible. Although they are mentioned in the Old Testament, but they're not mentioned in the New Testament. And then there are a group of churches called Christian churches disciples of Christ and they have become a denomination and uh, so they sort of left the idea of the restoration movement. But there are 5,000 independent Christian churches in the United States. Around here you may know Avoca Christian Church, Discovery Christian Church, uh, Piney Flats is, uh, uh, I can't never remember the name of that church, Poplar Ridge Christian Church. Uh, are some of the Christian churches that are local. West Hills Christian Church is a church that this church planted a few years ago. 
But let's move forward now. Central Christian is part of that. How did Central get started? Back in 1903, there was a first Christian church on the uh, Virginia side, and a group of people at First Christian Church wanted to start a Sunday school to be evangelistic. It was going to meet in Sunday afternoon downtown in Bristol. And they found a location to meet. I think it was an old YMCA building. And they began this Sunday school and meet. And it grew like wildfire. And before long, they had over 100 people going to that Sunday school. And it continued to grow. They had to move around. At one point in 1903, they actually met in the courthouse. Now, you would never have that going on today, but they did. And, and, they, uh, and they continued to grow, and eventually they said, we need to become our own church. And so they decided to call a preacher, and they did. And uh, Central Christian Church was established before too long. They were running out of places to meet. They needed property. They bought a piece of property down on the corner of 6th and Broad Street, Downtown, you know where the Tennessee post office is. Uh, it's right across the street. I think it's the CenturyLink building now. And uh, uh, that's where the original Central Christian Church was. I think the building was built and occupied in 1905 or 1906. And it was at first just a Sunday school room that seated 250 people. Eventually they tore that down, built a sanctuary and added a Sunday school annex onto it, and it was a pretty big place. But eventually they outgrew that building, and parking became a problem, just as it is today in downtown Bristol. Parking became a problem. When they first built the church, most people walked in and rode a horse, I guess. And, but parking became a problem, and eventually in, in the early 1960s, they bought this property that we're on today. There was a mansion on here that had been owned by Colonel I.J. Walls. He sold it to the church, and uh, the church paid that off rather quickly. And uh, Ross Dampier, who was the minister at the time, lived in that parsonage for a couple of years. But then they tore it down, and they graded off this property and built this building. And this building was occupied in 1968. Uh, and then... Uh, the church thrived and went forward, uh, eventually uh, came to the point where it needed to do some work in the church. And in 2015, we did what we called Operation Refresh, and we remodeled this sanctuary a little bit, and we painted the whole church, and we put new carpet everywhere except in the sanctuary, and we're getting to the point where we're going to have to put new carpet in here too. But uh, we put new carpet throughout the church, and we just sort of refreshed the appearance of the church. The outside was painted, and uh, we fixed it up, put the canopies out here. And, and that's how, how we got here to this place. But then the question is, why are we here? Why are we here? After COVID, uh, as many churches experienced a drop in attendance, and, and it was hard getting people to come back to church. So many people watched online, and they got used to that, and I guess they decided they would quit uh, coming to church and maybe just watch online. 
It happened to a number of churches throughout our country. Uh, I'm not so sure all of those people are still watching because the numbers of people that are watching are down from where they were uh, even when we had in-church attendance here. And so, uh, but we decided to partner with an organization called E2 Effective Elders to help us come up with a plan for the future. And E2 is a church partnering organization. They help coach churches. And they came in, gentlemen, the founder of E2, Gary Johnson, came in and led our elders and our key leaders and deacons in our church through a study to help us think about our vision and our mission and our values. And so we did that. And what we came up with as our vision for our church is that next line that says, hope changes everything. Because our leadership strongly believes that hope in Jesus is the hope of the world. And we believe that hope, when people find that hope in Jesus, it changes their life. It is a life-changing hope. And it will help people uh, to advance in their lives and become all that God wants them to be. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope, an anchor for the soul. And it's talking about Jesus. He is our anchor. And when you are connected to Jesus, you are anchored in what God wants you to be. And as you become that devoted disciple, you move forward to become all that God wants you to be. Now, how do you accomplish that vision of getting the message out that hope changes everything? And that becomes your mission. And our mission is to love God and love people and serve both. And so we begin to function based on those two ideas that uh, our vision is hope changes everything and our mission is to love God and love people and serve both. Now, at Central, we base our ministry on uh, our ministry philosophy on two great passages of Scripture. Uh, next slide. And... The first one of those is known as the Great Commandment. And that's some of the last words of Jesus before he was taken up to the Father that he spoke to his apostles and he said to them, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Another passage of Scripture is called the Great Commandment. And the Great Commandment, Jesus was asked, what is the most important command that God gave? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now those two passages of Scripture we feel are our marching orders to help us get this message out that hope changes everything. And this is how that breaks down. To the purposes for the church. And the first one, the Great Commission, go and make disciples. That's outreach. 
God wants us to go to the whole world and reach out and bring his message uh, to the world. Baptizing them, that has to do with fellowship. When people submit to baptism, they're committing their life to Christ and they're becoming part of the fellowship of the church. Now, don't take that word fellowship too lightly because a lot of people think that means eating a meal together. But fellowship is so much bigger. In the Greek language, it's the word koinonia, which has to do with not just fellowship, but becoming a community of growing together in all kinds of ways and, and to become all that God wants you to be. And then it says teaching them, and that has to do with discipleship. And that is teaching people in the ways of God. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11, it says that God gave some to be evangelists and pastors and teachers to train God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That is, God wants his leaders in the church to teach the people so that they can become devoted disciples and help build up his church. Then from the great commandment, love the Lord your God, that has to do with worship. Worship is actually expressing love to God. We often equate the word worship with just singing, but it's so much more. Anything you do to express your love and your concern for God is a form of worship. And so we want to help people with that, to express their love to God, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. That has to do with ministry or serving, so that we are serving our community. As we said, we love God, we love people, and we serve both. And so we want to be part of the community and get out into the community to help people uh, come to know that hope changes everything. Now, let's talk for a minute about that vision statement, that mission statement. You know, the vision statement is the why we do what we do. Because we truly believe that hope in Jesus changes. It changes people's lives. It changes them for the better. It changes them to help them become what God wants them to be. It can change your life. It can change your beliefs. It can change your destiny. And we want to get that message out. And the mission statement becomes the how you do that. You do that by loving God and letting people see that you love God. And by loving people and then by serving them so that we can let them see the change in our lives and they will come to want what we have and become changed as well. Now, our what becomes our core values. What's important? What do we hold as important as leaders in the church that we help to steer us as we go about accomplishing this vision and this mission? And here's our core values at Central. Number one, Christ is central. He, he is the central figure of the Christian faith. I want to read you a passage of Scripture. It comes from Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Here it's talking about the Son, Jesus. 
And it says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Everything you see is created through him and for him. That means us. We were created through him and for him. He is the central figure of our faith. It goes on to say down in verse 21, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. What that's telling us is that through faith in Christ, our evil, the sin in our life, can be forgiven and we are reconciled to God so that we can be uh, in a relationship with God. So Christ is central to the Christian faith. That's a core value that we stand on. Secondly, that Scripture is truth. This book, this Bible... God's word is God's truth to man. Every word of it. We believe that. Now you have to interpret it in context and you have to understand the context in which it was written to interpret it. But we believe it is true. Jesus said in John 17, 17, speaking to God, your word is truth. And so we believe Jesus that God's scripture is truth. Thirdly, a core value is that community is vital. We were never called to be Lone Ranger Christians. We were called to be in community, in that fellowship. And we should have fellowship with the Father and with the Son and with the Holy Spirit. And if we have fellowship with the Son, you got to know that the church is His body. And so we need to be in fellowship with the church. Listen to this from 1 John chapter 1. John's writing about Christ, and he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands and have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which the Father has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. I write this to make our joy complete. So fellowship or community, being in community, is another core value that we hold on to. Fourth core value is that spiritual growth is essential. In 2 Peter 3.18, it says, uh, grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Christ wants us continuously in a growth mode, that we're growing to know Jesus better, that we're growing to understand His grace better so that we can become all that he wants us to be. And lastly, that the next generation is a priority. That's a core value we have. 
we're not just about the adults. Now, we want to create adults who are devoted disciples, but we also want to reach the next generation because without the next generation, the church will not exist. If you go back in the, in the beginning of the Bible, when Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses was giving instructions to God's people. And in uh, the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy, he gave to the Israelites a passage of Scripture that they came to call the Shema. Now, Shema means hear. And the reason why they call it that is because that's the first word in this passage of Scripture. Shema, hear. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You hear what he's saying? He wanted to make sure that the Israelites didn't just focus on themselves, but the next generation, their children, that they were training them and teaching them in the ways of God so that his people would continue on to be faithful servants and followers as they go forward. Now, uh, that's sort of, you know, our church in a nutshell. Now, I mentioned the three-year plan that we came up with when we met with uh, E2 Effective Elders, and we have some of these brochures at the back. Uh, they're available at the Welcome Center. And we came up with a three-phase plan that we're about one year into, and uh, you can read about on the inside. It talks a little bit about what, what the plan is, but it breaks down into three phases and three targets, if you will. And the first target is engage Jesus, and that has to do with discipleship. And we spent most of last year learning about Jesus and teaching about Jesus. We just finished up a series on the basics of the faith, and we taught some of the basics that Jesus wants us to have uh, as, as we go forward as the people of God. And so uh, there's a panel there that talks about that, and much of this we have, have worked through. Uh, this coming year, we're going to focus on the second panel, which is to engage Bristol. You know, when Jesus uh, left the apostles, he told them to be his witnesses starting in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. Our Jerusalem is Bristol. That's where we're located. That's where the apostles were located. And so we want to engage Bristol this year and be servants and get our message out that hope changes everything. And we're going to begin to work in ways that will help us to reach out to this community and become uh, a place where, where people know that they can come and be safe and learn about the Lord. And then phase three is going to be to target the next generation. 
and we're always working on that, but we're going to be building up to where we really work to uh, in ways that we engage the next generation. Uh, let's face it, the way people did church in the 1950s does not reach the people in 2020s. And so we have to look. Somebody said, methods are many, principles are few. Methods always change, principles never do. And so we, we stand firm in our principles, our core values. But the method that we use to get those values out to the community have to change as we move forward with the community that we live in. You know, our, our society is technology-driven. And so more and more, we have to learn how can we use technology to reach people for Christ because that's the language that they speak. And we have to learn how to do that. So that's a presentation. Actually, you got a little more than what I usually do after a church service that's usually about 15 minutes long. But in a nutshell, that's who Central Christian Church is. Next week, you come and we'll, we'll have the second part of our, uh, our uh, uh, next steps. And we're, we're going to be talking about Central Connect. How do you connect at Central Christian Church? Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we humbly come before you. And we believe, Father, that you have, have uh, led our leaders into this plan that we have and this vision and this mission that we have. A lot of prayer and study has been put into this. And, Father, as we go forward, I pray that you will help our church to really catch the vision and to decide to participate in the mission as we hold on to those values and as we go forward to help more and more people come to know the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray and praise. Amen.